Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Kara Frederick is with us now. She's formerly of Facebook, currently with the Heritage Foundation, where she is director of tech policy. We're going to talk to her about AI, about government snooping on social media platforms and all kinds of good stuff or bad stuff, but interesting stuff. Kara, welcome. Thanks for having me. So let's start with Elon Musk recently uh, spoke to a Tucker Carlson on Fox. He saw it and he said not only was he, Elon, flabbergasted by how much access the government had to the communications and just the general stuff going on at the social media platform Twitter, which I'm sure is true of other places, but that DMs were easily accessible by the government too. What did you think of that one? Yeah, so this, you know, honestly, it's not surprising. I mean, especially given the backgrounds that you and I had um, there, we do know first and foremost, there are legitimate reasons, or at least there were legitimate reasons to, you know, work with some federal entities when it comes to things like child sexual abuse material, um, you know, sniffing out the bad guys. Uh, I worked on foreign Islamic terrorism uh, when I was working for a big tech platform and before. Uh, So, you know, 
there are times when you want the government that is ostensibly there to protect the security of Americans to uh, maybe have some sort of access to these internal communications. Unfortunately, over the past two to three years, we've seen that uh, there's been a um, abject dereliction of duty when it comes to the, uh, you know, number one, keeping United citizens safe, and number two, um, really prioritizing the the security of Americans, um, especially from external hostile forces, uh, and instead looking inward at the American populace and uh, inflating the definition of domestic extremists and terrorism and whatnot. So in in my mind, the government has lost our trust, uh, and deservedly so, and they have been misprioritizing when they should be looking at real actual threats. Then, okay, maybe we can think about some of these surveillance capabilities, but that's all gone. That's been washed away, given especially what Elon exposed in the Twitter files. And it it is very telling, I think, that uh, we at the Heritage Foundation, we published a report in February of 2022, and we said there's a symbiotic relationship between these big tech companies and the government. It goes as far as collusion and any sort of collusion between government actors and these big tech companies to silence the speech of Americans should be prohibited. And people were like, you are, oh, come on, you're just a fear monger. What are you doing? But we've been proven right. So the fact that the government had full access to DMs and Twitter, again, we knew Twitter DMs a long time ago were probably compromised and this just proves it. And uh, frankly, this proves the Heritage Foundation right yet again. So you worked at Facebook. I would assume, and tell me if it's an incorrect assumption, that the very, very cozy and all too close relationship between Twitter pre Elon and the government. And as he described it, effectively it was a bloated activist organization, Twitter masquerading as a social media platform. I have to assume, and you tell me if it's not right, that the politics of Facebook, Google, all the rest are basically the same and perhaps even worse. I would say post-2016 Trump elections, that's when everything became exacerbated. Uh, so you have, you know, a cadre of us who went in before that election. Um, I, Leo did there in 2016, early 2016. And, you know, we we were there to solve these big problems, like the foreign Islamic terrorism issue. And you had really talented people. A lot of time, patriots. I came right out of a, a Naval Special Warfare Command, where I'd been doing counterterrorism analysis as a, a targeter. And and I went right into um, Facebook sort of thinking that, you know, we were going to do the same thing. We were going to protect Americans and their users from this, um, you know, foreign Islamic menace, uh, which was taking the form of ISIS at the time. Um, and then, and I would say in 2016, something really changed. Uh, and it was Trump's election and they just went hysterical and the people that they started recruiting post-election, you know, a lot of them went in sort of thinking that they had a mandate to um, stifle the conservative voices, uh, I'd say, in America. Um, you know, prior to that, we uh, there were some some interesting, I would say, data points when it came to the way that we did our analysis, for instance, um, and this is no secret now. Um, 
these companies have been using um, organizations, NGOs like the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, to actually help them formulate their policies and um, help them formulate the way that they treated specific actors on these platforms. And they thought nothing of it. They thought, okay, SPLC is an honest broker. Um, so I think that part of it is ignorance. Part of it is, you know, the sea that they swim in in the Bay Area. Uh, and then the other part of it is the 2016 election just really unhinging people and making them uh, really come in with uh, mission oriented to, to sort of stifle the voices of the, the people that they disagreed with. Is it fixable at these places? Like, how, how would you actually, if, if you were able to get, you know, Zuckerberg and his top lieutenants in a, in a room and they were willing to listen to reason. I mean, you know, I think Facebook has just turned. I'm amazed that there's still apparently as many people using it in America as there are. I find it to be like an unwieldy trash heap of nonsense. Like it's really hard to even figure out where anything is anymore. They've, it, it all looks like it was made by a bunch of, of uh, you know, computer engineers. And I don't mean that in a good way. Right? Like it looks like it's just this kind of cobbled together thing and all of the original, just the ease and the, it's just, they're throwing all this. I think it's turned into a bad user, user experience and user interface. But anyway, forget about fixing that for a second. If you were just trying to fix the fact that Facebook is not fair to half of the country politically, is it possible? Or do we just have to build our own, build our own thing? By the way, build your own Facebook doesn't sound as crazy. Maybe it's buy your own Facebook. That's more expensive than Twitter. Have to call Elon on that one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I will say personally, and when I was in the company, I thought Mark Zuckerberg's instincts were um, more libertarian than, you know, more leftist. Uh, so, uh, and and that is sort of the old guard of the builders in Silicon Valley. You know, these are engineers and they think like engineers, they think like programmers, they want to solve problems and fix things. Um, unfortunately, I do think that he's he's been there for so long and he's been frankly led astray by others in the C-suite and that other sort of layer of upper management as well, who are um, very concerned with PR fires. And clearly we know that uh, public relations only goes one way, and that's against conservatives at this point. So um, you look at that and sort of see how he's been co-opted when his instincts were maybe initially good. I remember a speech in, that he gave in October of 2019 at Georgetown University, where he said Facebook had to be the alternative to an authoritarian China, which was propagating its digital platforms here in the U.S. You know, what happened to that? That, uh, that gave me a little bit of hope, but he's since um, he's since spent four hundred million dollars um, pushing certain um, uh, Democrats in elections under the auspices of these get out the vote measures. But we know that they were in you know, blue states um, going to to Democrat um, activist organizations who were then pushing only getting out the vote for Democrats. So unfortunately, I think those instincts that he previously had have been quashed, and I don't think there's any coming back from. And I, I do think it is too far gone at this point. Let's come back in a second and talk about TikTok. Since you mentioned communist China, we'll get into that in just a second here. But everybody at home, if you haven't tried the Geezy Dream Sheets, I'm going to tell you right now, you're missing out. Mike Lindell's got a lot of amazing products. Kara, do you have Geezy Dream Sheets? We're going to get you hooked up. You oh, have Giz planning on it. They're in the cart. They're in the cart. Oh, my All computer. right, there we go. The Geezy Dream Sheets from Mike Lindell. You got to get them for the whole family. I'm telling you, they're amazing. Coming as low as $29.99 when you go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code BUCK. Multiple colors, styles, and sizes. You can upgrade your bedding now. By the way, everybody, I know you think, oh, well, I've already got sheets. Sheets only last you a couple years. You know, you wash them. They get kind of 
they get kind of uh, a little too worn, threadbare, and they're not very comfortable, and they start to, you know, just look like you need new sheets, because you do. So go to MyPillow.com, promo code BUCK, $29.98 for Giza Dream Sheets. All MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. So go to MyPillow.com, click on Radio Listener Specials, and use promo code BUCK for the Giza Dream Sheets. Under 30 bucks, Giza Dream Sheets. Go check them out today. I sleep on them every night. All right, so TikTok. Um, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I've, I think that YouTube is much more concerning for American freedom and, and everything else than TikTok, and I've been saying this. More and more people are saying it now. It seemed to be about a month ago, everyone's like, oh, TikTok. I'm sitting here, I'm like, what about the social media companies that are already throwing elections? Anyway, we put that aside for a second. I mean, how worried are you? Let's just look at TikTok, and I, I won't do the, you know, the what about um, with uh, YouTube, Google, Facebook, all, all, Instagram, all that stuff, although I could. How bad is TikTok, really? How, how big a problem is it? Yeah, I think TikTok falls into uh, three problem buckets, I would say. Um, and the first and foremost is the most obvious one. It's that ByteDance is its parents com- parent company. It is headquartered in Beijing um, and therefore subject to the laws and policies of the People's Republic of China. Uh, one of the, the laws that we like to talk about is the 2017 National Intelligence Law, which effectively compels private companies to do the work of the state. So if the Chinese state, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party decides that they they want specific data, they want access to this, they want access to that, then by virtue of this law, ByteDance has to comply. And uh, this is not my original phrasing, but I think it illustrates the problem pretty well. Um, China doesn't have rule of law, they have rule by law. So this this is something if you're, you know, the ByteDance CEO, you're kind of powerless to resist at, at this point. And why would you? When you look at ByteDance, they have uh, one of three of their board members of the main domestic subsidiary of ByteDance is a card carrying Chinese communist government official. Uh, if you look at like some of the good reporting that Forbes has done, they scoured uh, LinkedIn and found that 300 plus profiles had either current or former links uh, of these current ByteDance employees to a Chinese propaganda arm, to Chinese state media. Uh, So you have active and former members of the Chinese Communist Party, particularly in the information realm, uh, working in ByteDance. And uh, there's there's so many other data points that I could talk about, but but that's the first one. ByteDance, very close links and infiltration, frankly, uh, by the CCP. They have an internal committee, a DOJ report in September 2020 coming out of the Trump administration assessed as much. Um, and we know that they are deeply involved in the inner workings of TikTok as well. So that's one thing. Um, and again, just tip of the iceberg. We can go into uh, just really how odious some of those connections are when it comes to uh, the connection with American data as well. Um, but I'll, I'll table that for now. And then number two, there's that influence campaign aspect. And, um, you know, we we talk about the manipulation of the information environment. Uh, this is something that we were dealing with in the intelligence community and especially in big tech companies and looking at it now. And what we've seen is pro CCP narratives pushed on these platforms. Uh, we've seen a um, uh, 
of actual Chinese state account uh, come to TikTok and say, how can we push our information? And we've seen information from those accounts pushed and not labeled as state media as well. So we know that they're trying to do, do the proverbial sowing of discord, uh, such as promoting Democratic candidates in the 2022 midterm election uh, to the detriment of Republican candidates. They're trying to push stories about abortion and incendiary things to help uh, sow dissent among the American population, something every Everyone always accused sort of the Russians of doing. Um, so that's another aspect, that information environment manipulation. And then third, you have the kids, you know, what it's doing to children. And we know that TikTok in particular with the For You algorithm just lights a fire under these social contagions. Uh, we know that they're in bed with the transgender lobby featuring, um, you know, prominent transgender activists, uh, prominent LGBTQ activists all over their websites, um, raising awareness. They're very, very open about doing this. Um, and there are pediatric hospitals that are reporting actual physical manifestations of coming out in patients because they use TikTok, like things called TikTok ticks, which most researchers are classifying as, you know, pure social contagion movements. So, you know, and, and this is, again, something that TikTok is very, very efficient at, uh, that it it doesn't necessarily distinguish it wholesale from the Instagrams of the world. If you want to talk about what aboutism, we know there's stats on that in terms of mental health harms. But TikTok is poised, especially because, as Christopher Ray says, director of the FBI, uh, China controls the algorithm. That's even more problematic when they're feeding our kids this poison. But how much of the algorithm is the kids click on the things they click on and then it's reflected back to them, right? Like, I mean, uh, you know, I, I asked this because remember Russia, remember Russia collusion back in 2016, they're saying, Oh, Hillary Clinton lost because Trump worked with Russia. And then they talked about the Facebook ads. I think there was like a hundred thousand dollars that were spent on these bogus, uh, you know, or Russian backed or whatever Facebook ads. And when you look at the ads, I mean, a lot of them were ridiculous. I mean, it looked like a guy named Yuri, you know, working in like sub basement C of some, you know, FSB outpost, you know, on the uh, on the in the outer ring of Moscow was like looking at a, you know, little dictionary in English. I mean, it was yeah. preposterous. Right. I mean, their yep. understanding of U.S. politics beyond lock her up for Hillary Clinton, which, you know, they got that <laughs> right. But their understanding was very weak. I mean, the, the idea that the, I just hear all these people saying, oh, my gosh you know, the Chinese are going to brainwash our kids and make them lazy or whatever. And I look at them I'm like, what do you guys think Disney is doing? Like, I, I just, this is the part of it that I, you know, they're so much more upset about what's going on with the, I understand the spying thing. And like, if they can suck up your information and do create that, that's a separate issue. But it sounds to me like there's also just a content component of this. And I, I don't under, I just feel like, I feel like TikTok is the shiny object where people in politics and in power get to pretend that they're doing something that's like, oh, we're protecting the kids from the bad influences online. They're protecting them from one of dozens of major and endless minor influences online that are all being pushed by the Democrat Party anyway. Like transgenderism, Beijing's not pushing transgenderism via TikTok on kids. The Democrat Disney is pushing transgenderism on kids. 
Well, number one, you know, you're right. But number two, we also don't know that Beijing isn't pushing this stuff. And that's, you know, part of the problem, too. If China is so intimately involved in the algorithm, which it says it won't, if there's a forced divestiture to an American company of TikTok, it said there's no way we're giving up the algorithm. So in my mind, that means, yeah, they want to retain control of it. There's a commercial element to it um, because it is really good. But there's also that information environment uh, manipulation potential there because they, they want to keep it in Chinese hands so badly and they've said as much, uh, which uh, flies in the face of a lot of the assurances that these TikTok executives are providing to Congress members with their, you know, Project Texas um, uh, potential, you know, mollification of you know, our representatives. Um, but so I also I, I do want to address that. I, I think that when you have over 67 percent of American teenagers as of last year on a particular platform and you have 30 percent according to a pupil in 2020 of preteens nine to 11 year olds on a specific platform and we have new data coming out of the UK saying a decent percentage of toddlers are now exposed to this content then you have a problem then you have a uh, the fact that you know number one all of the, these children are on it to a much greater degree than you know Facebook as you talked about is hemorrhaging users especially in this demographic, Instagram is hemorrhaging users as well, uh, then, then that becomes a source of information. And we know that they're getting it for their news now as well. They're not just looking at those cute videos. They're, they're getting it to be informed uh, about the world. Um, you, a top Google executive said as much as well in a tech conference. He said, when people, young kids, want their news, they go to TikTok. And Google is very much aware of that uh, and you know keeping their antenna up. And then you have American adults. So so looking at the kids stuff, that matters a lot, but American adults as well. So, you know, in two years, Amer the amount of American adults that get their news from TikTok has tripled. That's problematic, I think, from a civic perspective. Um, I see you want to say something, but I want to say one more thing before I let you talk. <laughs> I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm standing in the way of the train. By all means, go ahead. Sorry, you were saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I think the last thing is uh, a number of enterprising journalists have um, taken it upon themselves to create their own TikTok accounts. And what they do is they register as users from around 13 to 14. And they have found to a man within minutes, they are fed content that is uh, composed of self-harm content, suicidal content, eating disorder content, especially if they're registering as girls versus registering as boys. So, so we do know that there is uh, something that isn't just responsive to shall we say what the children want um granted the tiktok algorithm is based off your engagement not necessarily your network so how long your eyes linger over a specific video if you're interested in depression yes it's more likely to feed you self-harm content and suicidal content but this appears to be pretty uniform across the board uh for uh, a lot of these journalists experimenting anyway so there's something in tiktok that is particularly i would say um nefarious when it comes to our children and the noxious content they're being fed i mean do you ever go on tiktok because i gotta say some of those shuffle dance moves very catchy 
fuck. No, I am not going on TikTok, nor will I ever go on TikTok. Look at this. This is where, like, I I get to point at all the other people in America, usually, uh, especially the Democrats, but I get to call them commies and have fun with it. Apparently on this one, I've got, like, a soft spot for communist China. I'm like, I think TikTok is super entertaining. I got to tell you, it's all for me. It's... It, yeah, it's it's how to how to sear like the perfect steak and different red meat. I follow this like Max the meat guy who makes like wagyu and briskets and all these things. Uh, guys who know how to make um, like tomahawks out of the stuff you find in your backyard. Like this is and of course cute bulldog videos. Like, like I just, I'm just like what what is this? How is this supposedly in in some way? doing anything that is uh you know going to damage me but then again i'm an adult and things are different and you know that can be a little bit of a challenge um and yeah so i i gotta get to the uh, oxford gold group here for a second and when we come back uh, uh we're gonna talk about ai because i think miss kara frederick has to explain whether or not skynet is going to become self-aware and cause the nuclear war that james cameron warned us about in terminator one and two and probably the other ones, but no one saw the other ones because the other Terminator movies sucked. So, you know, you know there was a... Re- she knows it's true. There was a recent banking collapse, the nation's largest collapse of a financial institution since 2008. So, stuff can go bad real fast. You know this. And fiat currency is pretty imperfect because it's uh, a situation now we have inflation. We also have $32 trillion of debt. How about using gold and silver as a protection for your uh, portfolio? Have a little gold and silver on hand just in case. I've got gold and silver right here with me in the radio studio. Now is the time. Don't wait because if a crisis hits, you're going to need to have it on hand. And also those prices of gold and silver are going to go way up. So now is the time to call my friends at the Oxford Gold Group. Securing your IRA or 401k with real gold and silver, by the way, is also a fantastic portfolio protection plan. All you have to do is call the Oxford Gold Group. You can own real precious metals just like I do. Call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-404-GOLD. 833-404-G-O-L-D. Okay, so Ms. Kara Frederick, who is on the task force, I believe, at the Heritage Foundation for dealing with AI-related matters. So you would, you would have some insights into this. I, I think that the... AI is, and look, is Elon Musk both uh, wealthier and smarter than me? Yes. But I think all this stuff about how the world is going to end because of AI is pretty crazy. <laughs> like, I'm looking at this, I'm like, how does this even happen? Everyone's getting all freaked out. Do I, I'm usually, actually, no, I usually tell people everything's going to be okay because most hysteria is just people wanting attention. But is AI really, I know it's a, it's a big deal and it's going to matter a lot. I'm not saying it doesn't matter a lot, but as a threat, what is the threat from AI? That's the part of this that I still haven't, no one's really been able to explain to me. It's like, oh, like it's going to hurt our democracy because of the disinformation. Watch <laughs> CNN. Look what they do. Fair point. Um, and I, I do think you stand in good company uh, with, with some of the skeptics. Um, you know, one of the things, as you know, in the Intel community, though, there was always that person who was like, everyone, everyone, China isn't 10 feet tall, right? Everyone, everyone, Al Qaeda is not looking at external operations. And they like are the naysayers yeah. and everyone kind of. Yeah, no, their, so like, their whole thing think, is is they're the uh you know they're, they're playing the role of um what's the what's the word we're looking for here you know when you're just being uh in opposition to be in opposition i forget what the word is but you know what i'm saying yeah, 
contrarian. Oh, contrarian. Oh. Thank you. They're yep. playing the contrarian. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. So, so you know, there, there's that aspect of you know the AI community as well. Um, but I do think there's there, there's reason to be worried. And I like to quote um, you know two authoritarians on this matter. And I I thought this was commonplace, but apparently not many people know that Putin a few years ago said whoever is going to lead an AI is going to rule the world. Um, I think that that's a significant um, uh, uh, discussion to, to be had, especially when Putin's saying that. And then she in China says, you know, we want to dominate in AI by 2030. So, you know, if our adversaries have their eye on this um, and they, they see it as some geopolitical um, strategic um, key, then I think that it's important to sort of pay attention. And the reason why I, I think they know harnessing these technologies is really going to uh, catapult them to the front of the line of, of global dominance is is because they're doing things at machine speed tends to be better uh, than doing things at human speed. And when you're coming, when you're talking about war fighting, uh, when you're talking about things like uh, even, you know, the stuff that the Intel pukes like us used to do, uh, that computer vision algorithms can do better, you know, instead of uh, what Project Maven tried to do, instead of a human being sitting in front of an FMV screen, you know, saying that's uh, labeling a truck, labeling a rock, labeling a car, um, you have machines able to do that. And then when machines um, can make decisions, and again, you know, the autonomous weapons that we have are mostly semi-autonomous, so there's always a human in the loop at this point, and there's a lot of debate and discussion about that. But when you get to the point that a machine is basically um, in, uh, cutting out um, all of that analytical rigor that can be applied elsewhere to do things only humans can do, that's going to give the warfighter a massive advantage. So if you have a computer vision algorithm uh, determining that that's a rock and that's a tree and that you shouldn't, um, you know, hit it with the with a, uh, a kinetic strike, then that's going to be better if you have another analyst sort of doing things like determining if there's a positive identification of that actual terrorist actor, uh, which would cause that hellfire to rain down. So I think that, you know, it's offering specific advantages uh, because of that machine speed vice human speed. Uh, people talk a lot about drone swarms too. So instead of, you know, training up a human pilot necessarily, these, um, you know, what my old boss at the Center for New American Security used to say is that, you know, you, the human being sort of acts as the quarterback and you let your your smaller, your cheaper systems uh, do some of the other work for you. So you're not sort of wasting a human being and a human capital on that kind of thing, too. So I think those are just two examples of what AI can help um, accomplish in war. Uh, and uh, we know that she's on a war footing. Uh, we know that Putin is currently at war right now, too. So so that's another thing. The information environment, like what you were talking about before, that's a whole nother kettle of worms. And, and we can talk about that all day as well. Well, I don't know. Seems to me like <laughs> if there's a little machine that can clean up after me and tell me um, how great I am all the time and, you know, not ask any questions beyond that. <laughs> sounds sounds good. I'm not that worried about it, like turning into the Terminator and deciding that, you know, it has feelings, too, and it's self-aware and all this. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, I do think it's it's definitely going to be interesting for high school kids who want to have some program that can easily write their, you know, kind of B minus level term paper for them that that we know it can do pretty quickly. But uh, friends, you know what you need? Not AI. You need chalk. 
Chalk provides all natural supplements that help people restore their energy potential every day. It's a daily supplement formulated to restore lower testosterone levels in men to the levels that men used to have. Our diets and stress levels just don't naturally provide for the kind of testosterone that we need. Chalk's leading ingredient in their male vitality sack has proven to restore 20% of those lower levels in just three months' time. You'll feel the positive effects and experience an energy potential and focus that you haven't in a long time. Chalk produces their products with a high level of purity, makes it potent and impactful. That's why the male vitality stack is as effective as it is. Sign yourself up. Take uh, take delivery of Chalk's male vitality stack or any of the other products available via subscription. Get 35% off any Chalk subscription for life when you use my name at their website. Chalk.com is that website. C-H-O-Q.com. Be sure to use my name, Buck, to get 35% off. Go to C-H-O-Q-Chalk.com. Use my name, Buck, B-U-C-K, for 35% off. So, Kara, when you're not uh, trying to save the Internet for the purposes of freedom, humanity, and, the, and, and world peace and all that stuff, what, what else? What do we need to know about Kara Frederick? You were a Navy intel analyst? Is that what I'm getting? Because you said vice in a way only people from the intelligence community ever say vice like that. Meaning instead, do you oh, realize no. that no one else, you'll never come across anybody who did not work in the IC who will be like, well, I think that's a good idea. Vice, this other idea. You're like, wait, what? We're the only ones who do that. <laughs> I No way. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm talking bad habits. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, I'll give you more. I'll give you more. Optics. Only people from D.C. talk about, well, from this optic or from that optic or whatever. There, there are some things that the, the Intel people in particular we have this weird nerd vernacular, and I caught you doing some nerd vernacular during this podcast. So at least I know you're the real deal. At least I know that, you know, you were pouring over those reports eight cups of coffee deep. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, Get Smart with Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway. It's a it's a movie. It's like a, I don't know, spy caper. And you have the intel analyst who, like, finally gets his chance to, like, be an operations officer in the field. And he's, you know, talking to some operator types. And he's like, wait, did nobody read my report? Like, that was me. I was like, did nobody read my report? Um, that person who would, would go out with the, the guys in Special Operations Forces and sort of be like, hey, everybody, this is what we should be thinking about. Here's the target. You should go there. Uh, so... I was always a civilian, a civilian intelligence officer, and um, we called them targeters when I was working with Naval Special Warfare Development Group. But um, that was, yeah, that was my job. Uh, I was an Al Qaeda analyst first and foremost, um, and all sourcer. So what they did was they wait, like, us like, to like o- o- original, original gangster, old school Al Qaeda, or the uh, AQI? Because I was AQI. Oh, you were. They brought me in to do CTC AQI, and then I got moved to OIA, uh, OIA and and uh, and AQI, basically. So. No way. Yeah. No, I was, um, I was looking at guys over. Yeah. The original guys. Um, some of the guys been hiding in Iran for a little bit, um, that is now in the open. Uh, and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, when I deployed a a couple times, that was my, uh, that was my thing looking at Al Qaeda, um, external operations, um, operatives. So So what what did you think of, of 13 hours, uh, the, the movie, by the way, because I always thought it was so funny that, the the case officers in that were like so smug, <laughs> which um, was just great. It was just great. The analysts were all sitting there like, yeah, maybe we were just back at headquarters making coffee. But like, at least we respected the paramilitary guys. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I had a lot of OGA friends when I was out there. Mm. Uh, so, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta keep those relationships warm. Uh, so I was, I, I liked your side of the, the, um, uh, you know, but did you notice in the movie for some reason, just to really hammer it home, like one of the American case officers in 13 hours just randomly has kind of like a French accent and he's turning around to like he's turning around to, uh, you know, what's his name? John Krasinski and like all these guys who are all, you know, jacked and these badasses. Ah. And he's like, he's like, I know how to do fancy things, too. Like, I am so cool. You're like, where did this where did, why does, is his name like, like Jacques Cousteau? Like, where did this guy, he's an American, like they just, I love it because those guys, uh, the, the, the GRS guys in the movie, like, oh, uh, it was funny, the things they would say about the case officer. I'm just, no. I, I, I just was observing. I'm just observing. <laughs> Buck, every time I left, when we were forward, every time I left the tactical operations center, all the guys in a chorus would go, beat it, nerd. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah. But you all guys right. were like, you Cooler, we I had guess. we had our our reports and our uh, our cool stuff you know in the <laughs> meetings that we did too um so interesting all right well Kara, where should people go to check out your work and the stuff that you're up to and all that good stuff yeah first and foremost go to heritage.org um so all of our work is on the the heritage website uh i direct the tech policy center there and yeah we're, we're looking at you know five big lines of effort so go to um that website to see what we're up to uh personally uh, i'm again kind of in the belly of the beast i'm on twitter kara a frederick uh and on instagram as kara fred with two d's so you can uh check out my work i, I do a lot of um, some personal but but mostly and you got a tiny you got a tiny baby too right right now you're like a yeah right? yep yep How i got old? a old yep so she's an infant and i don't hear her but uh she's probably gonna start crying in a little bit so well, don't, don't worry that's i'm glad we didn't get to the point where you pretend you hear the infant crying so you can end the interview uh, early so that's good that means we, we kept it moving here check out kara's stuff everybody kara frederick thank you so much appreciate you Thanks, joining buddy. since 9 11 the tunnel to towers foundation has been committed to improving the lives of america's veterans first responders and their families for over 20 years the foundation has helped america keep its solemn promise to never forget Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young children and builds specially adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans, as well as work to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He's never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades in arms, nor the efforts of first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor. Tunnel to Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the Foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org.